2: Stansfield, good turn away from
1: Tron, goal! Hello, how are you, and welcome to episode 102 of The Glover's Cast with me, Ben Barrett. And if it's my dulcet tones introducing proceedings this evening, slash this morning, slash this afternoon, whenever it is you are listening, uh, that means that Tweedledee and Tweedledum, Laurel and Hardy, Barry and Paul Chuckle are not with us. Dave is off working, doing some work things with his, I don't know, work employees or something. And Ian is currently, as I speak, on a Glover's Trust call. Ooh, chances are nothing interesting will come of it. And if it does anyway, you won't tell me anyway the git. So I've had to pull in a favor. I've had to pull in a couple of uh, strings. I've had to ask, beg, steal, and borrow. And I'm absolutely delighted to say that making his uh, full, proper, absolute, genuine 100% Glover's Cast debut is the voice of pandemic era YTFC, Mr. Marcus Duncan.
3: Marcus, how is <laughs> I'm very well. Thank you for that introduction uh yeah to be the voice of that pandemic here i think is a forgettable uh thing to move on from but yeah it's uh thanks for asking me on and i'll try and fill ian and dave's boots as, as well as possible it won't take much mate i'll be honest you, it, won't <laughs> much. it really will um yeah so we're gonna we're gonna talk
1: a little bit about uh the weekend coming up chesterfield a little bit about Altrium and then Chesterfield. But uh, I want to start by talking about a couple of things to do with you. But before I do, I want to give another welcome to the Glovers Casters. Today, Thursday, the 16th of September, we welcomed another debut to the Glovers Cast. If you go to gloverscast.co.uk, on the homepage, Green and White Goals, it's a YouTube channel you may have seen doing the rounds on a few social media. Uh, Chris Angulo, I hope I've got that surname right. Apologies if I've butchered it, has been uploading uh, Green and White Goals, as the name suggests, for a little while now. And we've invited him to the Glovers cast to do a Throwback Thursday. So on the latest news, you can see Throwback Thursday. Number one, Aaron Davis-Hattrick starts the Oval season back in 05-06. And uh, one of those goals was an absolute screamer. And you can view that on the homepage. But please, 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 please go and subscribe to Green and White Goals on YouTube as well. So a warm welcome to Chris and green and white goals to the Glovers cast as well. A couple of green and white uh, debutants on the Glovers cast today. But Marcus, I want to I talk to you, really. So you are a voice who, to many Yeovil fans, would have been uh, used to Chris Spittles and uh, Tom Seymour, Sheridan Robbins, and a number of other perfectly wonderful um, uh, commentators but you arrived on the scene last season as the main commentator for the stream of course the stream uh, match day streams were the only way we could watch the Glovers last season with everything being behind closed doors tell us a little bit about firstly yourself and how long you've been commentating and, and how the p- position and the role came about
3: yes it was a bit of a strange one actually I mean I'd grown up listening to all those voices you'd mentioned so I'm I've grown up in London, I'm from London, but I have always been a Yeovil fan, strangely. And uh, yeah, I remember putting in my yearbook at the end of school, it's like, what's one thing you'll remember or something? And I put putting Yeovil on the map because uh, everyone knew me as the, the Yeovil man. Uh, no one ever heard of Yeovil from London. They were all Chelsea, United, Liverpool fans. But no, it's a bit of fun. And then I um went to Exeter University in 2018 to be honest, mainly because it was near Yeovil, about an hour on the train. And I knew I'd be able to get to a few games, uh, not just away days. Um, And, yeah, I did student radio there. And then in my second year, a uh, vacancy came up after Alex left the media team, which Sam has very uh, successfully filled his boots. And it was to assist Sam. Uh, It was looking for a team of volunteers. And I thought, what the hell, I can go to Yeovil Games for free. Um didn't really have much experience and I got the job somehow, worked with Sam, who knew far more than me about the ins and outs of social media. I was just there doing the uh it was the the minute by minute live text commentary on the website, which I don't think anyone has really ever looked at, to be honest. Was that the I follow stuff? Uh I like the, really the know, it's, it's it's on the website it was like a very much a football league thing you know all the yeah it was on that and it was just, I had a bit of freedom because no one really looked at it to be a bit more relaxed um and it was good fun I did Facebook and Instagram occasionally um so I did that for the season for the 2019-20 season where we a very successful season but obviously that was interrupted and then I came back for my first pre-season game to see Sam. I hadn't seen Sam since the Wrexham 3-0, and it was Taunton away. And there were fans at that game. It was in September, that weird period between the summer lockdown. And uh, yeah, and then I went to the Bournemouth under-23s where I don't know if you remember that we were trialling a YouTube stream because I think everyone was suddenly like, oh we've got to get a stream for a season which isn't an easy task so fair play to Sam for sorting that and then he mentioned during that game which was a pretty dull game against the Bournemouth under 23s where was it Charlie Daniels scored from the halfway line <laughs> yeah I remember that yes I, I wasn't really looking I, I was looking <laughs> down and I looked up and the ball was in the net from a free kick on the, on the halfway line but uh he mentioned that we were lacking a commentator and I sort of said well as a last, last, last resort, if you don't get anyone else, I'm happy to do it. For was it? The, it was the Wheelstone game was the first home game because we had Kingsland, yeah, then Wealdstone, and I got a text from Sam about three days, bef- no, more than that, about five days before the match, and uh, I was saying, "Do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a baptism of fire, but um, I did it. I well. According to Sam, I turned out not to be terrible. And so I could That's carry on want. doing it. That's exactly. all you want. Straight on the TV. As long as I it's didn't get on the TV, not terrible. That'll booted, do. Uh, booted on from the, after the first game, it was, uh, it was okay. And yeah, those first two games were on YouTube. So we had a lot more viewers and I could actually see how many we had. The Wrexham game in particular. because I mean, they've got a big fan base. I think it peaked at about 20,000, which was uh, pretty terrifying to see, but <laughs> Yeah, it just sort of went from there, and I wasn't really expecting it. Um, but it was it was a dream for me to be able to do that. Um, and yeah, have you have you was that always the, the the
1: plan of a broadcaster in in sports? Is is commentary your future, or was that not the plan, and you just kind of fell into it?
3: Yeah, I w- it was sort of falling into it. I'd, I'd always enjoyed uh, when I was younger. I, I, so I want to work in sports media. Um, because i basically want to steal a living watching sports all day uh which sounds like the dream that's what i do and yeah <laughs> so yeah it, i i've never actually considered proper commentating as i said i've done bits of student radio at exeter where but to be honest it's it's a bit of a piss up and we did like a tuesday night goals show it's a, a rip-off of soccer saturday but we get a few drinks in as well and we'd sort of exaggerate being jeff stelling uh, in a in a jokey way and then suddenly i had to do serious commentary for an actual football club and it was like oh <laughs> uh but no it was uh it's great fun and yeah something i i was absolutely terrified for that wheelstone game um because i don't know i just, so many people listening to me and my housemates were taking the mickey out of me um they actually i don't know you probably didn't see this but on the chat on the youtube because there was a live chat back in the youtube stream days. Oh, really. And they, uh, they made an a YouTube account in my name called Marcus Duncan, and uh, were commenting throughout. I didn't see this, but I was told afterwards they were commenting, saying like, "Wow, this commentator is amazing. I love him." Just to... <laughs> so if anyone saw that and thought I was being incredibly vain while commentating, yeah, it wasn't wasn't me. Um, well, but... the thing
1: is though, we've just got to take your word for that. That's your, <laughs> that's your
3: word against anyone else's. That's all yeah, that I'm... is. I I thought up that story very quickly. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm going to say that you've planned that one. You've had that in the mind. That's absolutely (laughs) fine. Do you know what? I think it's really good to say you've had so little experience. I don't think many people could find any real place to complain with regards to the the commentary service. The stream obviously took a bit of an upgrade after the first couple of games, and and it provided um, a much better service. One of the questions I was going to ask, because it's something that I've been very, very lucky to do on a couple of occasions with the BBC as a co-commentator, Did you feel any pressure? Because I feel like when I was there, I was very aware that only 200 people or thereabouts were in the away end and had an opinion on this game that was unfolding in front of them. Anyone else was probably listening in to what Sheridan and I were going to say. And I I just felt like that's a lot of pressure. Did you feel that even though we knew we had images and stuff?
3: Oh yeah. I, I, I lived up. I felt a lot of pressure because, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, no one was in the stadium. I, the only way to watch, obviously, or you you could listen, um, but was through. I mean, I, I assumed what I did was usually I just imagined that most people had muted the commentary, and then I <laughs> <laughs> I had free reign to sort of be a bit more confident. But the added pressure was the away fans because you don't you BBC Somerset I'd always listened to, but say a Stockport fan would listen to BBC Manchester or whatever. Yeah. So I had to get that sort of, I couldn't be too biased, but I also was obviously the Yeovil commentator, but that was a lot of pressure. But to be honest, the pressure of getting the Yeovil fans to (laughs) enjoy me, I guess, uh, and not get absolutely slated uh, was uh, absolutely fine. After the first game when I got so many, I was uh, inundated with lovely messages from people, um, which really sort of eased me. And then, uh, again, away fans as well would send me some lovely messages. Wrexham fans in particular. Uh, I don't know if, whether that's just because it was free on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> but I, I did get some uh, some harsh messages from Hartlepool fans, but I can understand that. I was bored <laughs> out of my eyes watching that game as we went 3 nil down after half an hour.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, my God. That oh, was... yeah. Well, okay. That... That that then leads me on to my next question because there's no there's no getting around the the uh, the position we weren't very good for parts of it last season. Oh there's God. there's no way to go around it. And then we understand there are mitigating circumstances, uh, but we we were rubbish at times, really rubbish. How difficult? Because you, you you're a Yeovil fan, you want Yeovil to do well, and you want to sell, and you want to be positive. You're on the official stream. It's not like you're on the BBC Inc and can say actually this isn't going very well. How difficult you've already mentioned about the balance between home and away? I hadn't thought about that. That's an excellent point. How difficult was it to get the balance between realism of what's going on in front of you and I've got to keep my green tinted glasses on?
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it was awful. I thought I had a curse on me or something that we weren't going to win once I when I was caught, and we didn't actually until because I went home back to London over Christmas and the first game I saw us win, well, apart from that Dover FA Cup penalty win, but I don't count that, was, uh, I think it was Ultringham in February. No, no, or Weymouth, whichever of them came before. It was in about February and I was so relieved. But um, yeah, it it was tough because I knew partly, well, first things first, I knew Darren Sahl watched them back with the commentary. Oh no. Uh, Yeah because he he told sam because sam co-commentated on one of the games i think it was that dover game and uh the next game sam said to me he was like, oh the gaffer liked the commentary and i was like oh god he, he watches all of them back and uh yeah that was something to keep in mind and then i also knew that people in the hierarchy who perhaps weren't attending games for whatever reason we may never know um would have been watching them and i couldn't say anything damning about yeah i i had to be respectful to and also players families
1: mm, um, yeah,
3: that, that that that's an excellent point actually josh Nerthville's mum was very active i think most people saw and so and she yeah i know she watched them and i'm sure loads of other people did because they could get sort of passes for their families so i couldn't be too uh, sl- I couldn't slate players too much. It was. What's he it,
1: doing there? What's he doing? there <laughs> I mean, for? when
3: the football was all, it was it was terrible. The, the, I mean, it, the season started in October. We got our first win in December. It was just horrendous. I mean, it was yeah. But I I, I wanted to just shout and yeah, I wanted I wanted to be in the, the only one in the back of that Thatcher stand, but um, no, I couldn't really. And the other thing was, uh, I'm sure you know where and most people know where the press box is in hewish park and so for the first few games i was in there which is obviously outside and there were no fans in the stadium usually these players can't hear what you're saying you're the only people speaking in the stadium apart from the uh them swearing at the ref and stuff so i i remember i think it was the Wheelstone game one of the Wheelstone players came he was right in front of us, and he'd just done a terrible cross and i said like Oh, and that's a really poor decision from denon Lewis or whoever it was, and he suddenly turned around as he was about to take a throw and i was like hes oh, I, I you forget how much it echoes in these empty stadiums, you're the only one speaking and yeah it was a it was a strange experience and i was only uh i'm now twenty one but i was i'd just turned twenty when I started, and uh yeah I mean, I've quite a sort of scrawny young-looking year old So for them to be turning around, this stupid commentator slating them, I don't think I would have had much ground to stand on. Let's, let's move it on then, because, um, look, we've, we've touched on it a number of
1: times. Tragedy hit the football club last year. And I just want to take, I, I messaged you at the time, actually, but I thought your first words on that stream of the Boreham-Wood game were as about as perfect as I think they could have been. How many times did you write that, rewrite that, go over it in your head? Because I I couldn't imagine being the first words that somebody hears after seeing a
3: football club go through what it did from afar. That must have been so tough. Yeah, well, so obviously it was first the Ultrium game that got postponed. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I think one more after that. And then Sam texted me. Asking because I was actually away in London and I, I said to him, I, I can't do any games for a month or whatever. And he texted me saying, um uh, I this is the first game back. I'd really like you to do it. And I was very touched by that. And I was like, of course, I, I, it'll be an absolute honor um for me to do that. And I that that actually was the most nervous I've been for a game, and uh that was for a maiden head game. And so as soon as I got that text and said yes, I was on it and i'd written a draft and i sort of looked at it every other day changing bits and then the maidenhead game was called off yeah um and then it was the uh, the Bore and wood game that was the first game so it was another it was sort of two weeks bef- between that and mm. that and then the morning of the Boreham wood game uh i actually rewrote it hugely um and i was mm. like what the hell am i doing and then I almost, it was written on my phone stupidly. And as I started the stream, I almost couldn't find it up. I couldn't get my phone out of my pocket and unlock it and get to notes. And I'd started speaking and obviously I didn't want to say anything else, but um, yeah, no, that was an incredibly strange and horrible uh, day to go in to Hewish Park and I, I cause the last game before that was the Barnet game where we beat them 3-1 or whatever. And I had Wilco alongside me Of course, yeah. that day and he was in the box with me. He was brilliant, Wilco. He was a really nice guy. Um, he did actually go to the toilet right in the middle of it. I don't know if anyone heard that, <laughs> but right in the middle is. of it, he suddenly just nudged me. Oh, I'm gonna go to the toilet. I was like, oh, fair enough. All right. <laughs> and then the door closed. I, thought, I assume people heard. Um, yeah, so all the players who weren't on the bench, uh Collo was out injured or suspended, I think then. Um, and they'd always sit in the executive seats and come up to the top. I'd move to the other side of the stadium by this point where the sort of directors sit in one of the little glass boxes, and they'd walk across there, right past me. And yeah, Colo walked past me uh and saw Wilco and was joking around with him, and it was yeah, it was. It was brilliant to see them all having fun. And then when the when I heard on the Friday or Thursday, I it, honestly I was absolutely, I just couldn't believe it. I don't want to dwell on that too much, but having seen him joking and laughing around just five days before, it was it was absolutely heartbreaking. Um and yeah, the boreham Wood game was the proudest I think I've ever been to be a Yeovil fan, having seen that performance on the pitch in a pretty a dud season where no one really cared we'd already had an absolute stinker of a start to the season seeing those players after that Tom Knowles goal where he scored quite early and it was just a resolute performance and it, yeah you you knew it was all for for the big man up there and he um yeah I was just praying that Borenwood wouldn't ruin the party and score late on because that would have been awful but it was yeah that was really tough but I was Honored to have a uh, crit alongside me as well. Nick Crittenden, who was brilliant oh, yeah. and helped me through it.
1: Well, like I say, first of all, a huge, huge congratulations from, from me personally, as someone who's sat with a microphone in their hand, having to go by what they say and do on the air. I think you handle it absolutely perfectly. And I said as much at the time. So a huge congratulations. Um, let's, and a fun fact, I was meant to be there for Maidenhead, actually. Yeah, um,
3: Sam told me, actually. I was going to
1: be your number two for Maidenhead. I was in town randomly. Uh, just seeing family, and I text Sam because we thought it was him with the first game back, and I just kind of said to him, you know, first game back. If you need anything, I don't care if you just want me running around picking up yeah. bits and paper, I'll do it. Just let me know. And he texted me going, "Do you want to do co coms on the stream?" And I was like, "Oh Christ, I should like... have done comms. You could have usurped me." Geez, <laughs> I was like, "Okay, right then." So, yeah, that was going to be me. Um, But like I said, you handled it incredibly well. Let's let's end this little stint on a bit of a high because it did get a lot better with the return of fans. I know the couple of results didn't necessarily go our way, but those couple of games at the end with fans. How how good was that feeling to be commentating in a proper, quote, environment where, you know, the great and the good of commentary
3: worlds go? Oh, I didn't want to be in that commentary box. I wanted to be in the <laughs> <laughs> believe me, when I got there, so I, I I didn't have a car in Exeter, so I always had to get the, the bloody train from Exeter to Yeovil, which was not the most reliable to be honest. Um and then obviously Yeovil, Hewish Park to the nearest station is about as difficult as it gets. That's far as about as far to Exeter. Yeah, uh and I got there a bit late. But honestly, when I when I got out the taxi from the station. Drop me off and seeing all these people outside the stadium, the Golden Gamble man. Um, the oh, it was honestly, it, it, it just felt sort of normal again. And like Darren Saal has been saying so much, he, he hadn't enjoyed a football game before then. That, that was the first game he enjoyed all season. Um, it, it's completely true. It just felt completely different. It felt like a, a game in a competition rather than this strange style of football we've seen. And the football was completely different. Yeah. It was high intensity. They were playing with the crowd. I mean, Wilco had a bit of a mad moment where he handballed the uh, ball into the goal. We thought we'd gone one up, then he got sent off. That was Uh, weird, wasn't it? That was really I think he got a bit overexcited to score in front of the I think they all had a bit of a bet on who would be the first to score in front of the Thatchers and all wanted to be that one. Uh, And no one did in the end (laughs) in the Stockport or Maidenhead game, which was gutting. I just wanted to hear that roar. Um, But, yeah, the fourth minute in both those games was special. Um, But it, it was just, yeah, it was just phenomenal to see people around me. And suddenly I had people looking at me from in front of me and I was commentating. I wasn't used to this. I was... While it was strange in an empty stadium, suddenly there were other people. I'm sure you had this on Saturday at Stockport. You said you had a few, uh, I mean, they you me in the away. Were, at, well, very angry. Yeah.
1: Very, very angry. They weren't happy with Sheridan and I at all. Well, they weren't happy with me. Sheridan <laughs> was doing a very professional job. I was the one cracking jokes. Yes, no, not yeah. easy no, you at did, all. did a
3: brilliant job. Um, but, yeah, suddenly I had all these people looking at me. And I was like, oh, this is that idiot we've been listening to all year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sort of felt apologetic. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's what I look like. <laughs> But no, it's brilliant. And uh to be honest, I was really looking forward to getting back into stadiums as a fan again. Um as much I I thoroughly I loved working for the, the club I've supported and stuff, but you do just miss that uh going into an away end, some dingy away end in Dagenham or something. Well actually it's quite a big one. Uh but flat yeah. pint.
1: questionable yeah, exactly. pie. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I was like that on Saturday at Stockport. I I, I love being in the commentary box. I still love being in the commentary box, but I would have quite liked to have done that song at the end and uh, and cheered yeah. with the fans. Want to completely... teleport across? Yeah, you do exactly. Exactly right, you do. Um, so finally, then, what 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 next? Are you going to keep doing commentary? Are you going to jump on? I've
3: thrown your name to the good people at the BBC. So uh, what are you hoping to achieve? Yeah, so I um I've been thanks to you, I've been uh, contacted by the BBC. So I'm hopefully going to do their sort of London based away games because i've graduated from exeter now so i'm touch wood but well no pun intended doing boring wood on uh, okay next saturday which would be a great experience for me i I, yeah i can't believe it's because i grew up living in london always listening to chris spittles um it was pete simpson
1: for me just before i'm a little bit older than you it was Pete Simpson for me, the first uh, voice I heard. I remember him commentating on Chris Wheels' goal, and he simply goes with <laughs> Wheels there and just lets it all go. So, yeah, it was Pete Simpson for me first, and then a bit of Chris Spittles, and then further on to Tom Seymour and, and Sheridan and stuff. So I, yeah. I, I know exactly
3: what you're on about. That was the other thing, actually, as well, because I'd met Chris the year before, the season before, which was his final season doing BBC, and lovely guy. And then he said he wasn't going to carry on, and I knew everyone was going to be watching these streams and everything. And Chris had been the voice of Yeovil for ages. Something mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, I, I'm in no place to replace Chris Bittles. Because he was amazing at his job. But, um, but yeah, so hopefully I'll be doing those London away games. And I'm, so I've moved back to London, back at home, uh, doing a sports journalism course, 10-minute uh, cycle from where I grew up, which is ideal. And couldn't be more convenient. Uh, And yeah, hopefully I'll be following Yeovil around the country as well, uh, if time permits.
1: Always the way. Time, money and all the rest of it permits. Thank you so much. Right then, it's time to now take a little look forward. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick pause because Ian, who uh, isn't with us tonight, was available yesterday and has uh, pre-recorded a chat with Spyrite Wright a uh, Chesterfield podcast slash website slash bloggy thing and he had a good chat and it's a fairly lengthy one as well I think he went at it for a little bit on the other side Marcus and I will be back we'll be talking about what the gaffer said in the press conference (laughs)
2: So I'm delighted to welcome back to the Glovers cast. The team from Spyright's right Tom Matt and Tom uh, welcome back to the Glovers cast. Thanks for having a chat this evening to talk about our unexpected game on Saturday. Um, you guys are unbeaten at the moment. what are you what are you thinking ahead of facing us on on Saturday afternoon at Hugh's Park?
0: Well, yeah, cheers for having us back on the podcast. It's it's good to be back and to have, have another good chat, I'm sure, about both of our respective chances this season. Um, yeah, it has come around a bit unexpectedly. Obviously, we were supposed to play a different game um, against Woking and they've had some COVID tests, so we've managed to squeeze this one in. Uh, so I don't really know what to expect. You guys have had a cracking start to the season, to be fair on you. Uh, I'm quite scared about the prospect of, of facing Quigley with the form that he's in at the moment. Uh, so I think it'll be a good game, probably a game for the strikers. There might be a lot of goals. Uh, yeah, it should be a good contest. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no easy feat to go to Edgley Park and absolutely tonk Stockport 3-0, is it? I mean, what, what a fantastic result that was for you lot. And I've I've, I've got to say, I did I did have half an, an inkling you'd sort yourselves out a little bit from last year. So it was a bit disappointing for you lot, wasn't it? But then you start to pick up towards the end. And it seems like you've you've picked up where you left off, really, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I mean, last season, we've sort of just buried that deep into... The memories because it was just <laughs> not a good time for the club at all. Like off the pitch, on the pitch, just horrific. And then over summer, the the managers really sort of brought in some um, under the radar players. He, he calls them misfits because he hasn't got as much money to. He hasn't had a lot of money to spend. We've probably got less budget than we did. Well, we've definitely got less budget than we did last year. So you know, we lost the likes of Charlie Lee, Jimmy Smith. Carl Dickinson, Reese Murphy, some really sort of older players who were on higher wages and key players, and we haven't brought anyone in of that sort of calibre, really. We had Reuben Reid towards the end of last season. Um, everything's young, so we've got a lot of young players. And, yeah, so far, um, so far so good, really. The, the Stockport game was, I think, some of us, the optimists within the Yeovil Town supporter base probably thought we'd... We, we could nick a 1-0 because a lot of you know our games have all been by the odd goal so i think we s- sort of thought that that was a possibility um you never really know what you're going to get with stockport they have had a pretty poor start so yeah i think with that in mind we thought we could get something but to go and score three was just unbelievable and then you know we we're all quite looking forward to playing ultrium and then that's called off and there was a lot of Chatter on social media. You know, we were sort of disappointed that there might not be a game because they're, you know, oozing confidence at the moment, and it could be, you know, I think it's a good time to play you guys as well. From our perspective, just because we're we're playing with confidence, and obviously you guys are playing with confidence at the moment too.
4: Yeah, on yeah, about budget, we don't actually know where our budgets come from because honestly, before before the summer, it was like, oh, we've got no money. You know, and all this, then all of a sudden, oh, we go and splash 150 grand on Shimanga. And it's off. Clearly, we do have money then. It's a bit weird. <laughs> Very weird.
2: Yeah. Did I see something about some sort of insurance payout?
4: Yeah. So, all, um, one of our one
0: of the members of the, the board at the club uh, put some insurance in place, which covered, covered, covered us against any loss of revenue as a result of the pandemic, uh, which was. <laughs> Quite fitting to get really considering what's been happening for the last year and a half. So, yeah.
2: unbelievable foresight!
0: Yeah, oh, I, I'm, I'm gonna ask you what next week's lottery numbers are. I think <laughs> you know what? I, I think John Crute might have started the coronavirus pandemic just so, so that <laughs> be
4: honest.
2: just so they could buy Shimanga. That, yeah, that,
4: it, that's a... <laughs> it. It's strange because that we, as you know, the club does its own part. Chesterfield Football Club does its own podcast with like all the directors every like eight weeks or something.
2: All right, and they were cool.
4: saying like they had to go to like a high court ruling to rule so the insurance company would actually pay out. And the payout hasn't actually happened yet, but the club had budgeted for like three and a half thousand fans and like loss of revenue. Yeah. And so far we've averaged over five thousand. So there's a a claim there that we could get even more money from the additional 1,500 fans that we're getting over the course of this season to prove even more that we've missed out on own money. We've absolutely fluked it with this insurance (laughs) policy. It's so (laughs) lucky.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, we're like the opposite end of the spectrum, I would say. Um, (laughs) No sort of preparation, no foresight. Um, An owner who appears to be on the way out but hasn't, you know, so he's spending as little as he can right now. Um, we, we, know, we know that feeling. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah, we know it very
0: well. <laughs> it's, it's it's a horrible feeling when you, you know that your owner doesn't care and just doesn't want to invest into the club, isn't it? It's just not nice.
2: Yeah, well, I think our owner, he's actually originally from your way, um, but lives in Essex, Turkey what, and Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's never really about um but yeah I mean he's you know the indications are he's, you know he bought the club on a because there's loads of land he bought the club for the the land and is now trying to you know flog it so yeah it's all a bit up in the air right now but hopefully we'll have some certainty in the next couple of weeks or so that would be good
0: yeah. yeah, but I mean, one thing that is certain is for you guys is that on the pitch you're playing some cracking football, and just just how good is is the team playing at the moment?
2: Well, what what we found is we are absolutely robust and resilient at the back. Like, right? so we've got we've managed to play the same team for three games in a row. We didn't manage to play the same team twice until the 11th game of last season. So we've had like consistency straight away. Um, same back four, steady back four and we've got two holding midfielders who sit in front, uh, Josh Staunton and Dale Gorman who are just they're just machines. They they clean up. They Gorman's probably the better one going forward than Staunton is, so he'll he'll get things moving forward, but um, just sort of two Holders who just break everything up and really offer the defence that like extra level of protection um and it's been really good they've just we're sort of i think we're built to be solid at the back and then get teams on the break and it seems to be working for us you know we we a couple of penalties here and there quickly scored two penalties three penalties actually so um a few of his goals have been penalties. I think we're sort of the way we're setting up on set pieces at the moment, we're it's like it's almost gonna happen. It feels like we're we're reaching a point where we're gonna happen we're gonna get something in the the, the Halifax game, uh, and the Stockport game actually. I think we put a lot of pressure on the goalkeepers and they started flapping at corners and crosses, so yeah, I think we we're sort of set up to be I don't wanna call us stoked because we've got more to us than that. But we're a bit, you know, set up to defend. And also, we can um, do something from set pieces, I think, if we get the deliveries right. We've got big players. We've got tall players who you know are threatening. So, that's always a good thing to have in this league, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you
0: need that. There's, there's so many good sides in the National League. You've got to look at your Bromleys, your Warren Woods, You know, who they, they find a way of grinding results out because they're so solid at the back and they've always got a chance of nicking a goal, whether it's from a counter-attack or a set piece or or something like that. Yeah, well,
2: I mean, look at Barrow and Sutton. You know, the last two teams that have won the division, no one would have thought they were going to win the league, would they, at the start of the season? So I think, you know, that's, you know, I don't think we're going to win the league, but the fact that those two teams won it in previous seasons sort of, you know, keeps that idea alive that, you know, something could happen if, you know, if you get the right results. Haven't
4: you got Max Hunt playing for you?
2: Yeah, we have, yeah.
4: Yeah, I'm convinced he's from Chesterfield. Is he? Yeah, because if he's the same kid, he used to play for Chesterfield Junior Blues, which is the club I coach at. So Did you coach him? <laughs> no, no, no. he's a few. he's a bit older.
2: He is from Chesterfield. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's the same one then. Yeah. There you go. He's
2: 22. Mm.
4: So, oh, there you go. I'm older than him. There you go. <laughs> you've got you've got a player from the the Tom Oxley School of Excellence in your side.
2: Um, no wonder you're doing so well. <laughs> Is this? Uh, yeah, are you taking credit for Max's development? I'm
4: nothing to do with his development. <laughs> <was>, no.
2: <Didn't> <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. You know, take him to Nottingham Forest and.
4: No, nor no. did I take him to Derby. No, <laughs> no, nothing, nothing
2: to do with me. No, he's been really good. Um, you know, he's, he is young. I think last year he broke his cheek towards the end of the season. Um, as you know, most of our players got really odd injuries last season. It was a really freaky one. Um, but he's really he came on loan from Carlisle and then we just signed him, and he's been really good. He's just like he's tall, he's about six foot six. He's a he's a tall bloke and he really he put in a brilliant tackle towards the end of Halifax game. Um that just it was like a goal saving tackle and he had to get it perfect otherwise it was penalty red card. Um and then they equalized situation. But yeah, for a youngster he's he plays he plays like he's been around a long time. So that must be something to do with your coaching. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, but they, they always say that in any, any level of football, to have a successful side, you need a, a mixture of experience and youth. And um, I think having young projects like that to bring gods o- always goes well, doesn't it? And it always it make, makes the fans excited in a way because they're, they're sort of following those players through their development, aren't they? And it, it, it makes you root for them even more.
2: Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, we've only got two players who are over 30 in our squad this season. Um, and that's, Sorry. yeah, Ruben Reid and Mark Little who are both injured at the moment and haven't played. So like that just, you know, the next oldest is 29 in Luke Wilkinson. So we got a really young squad. It's not even <laughs> at the moment. It's not really a mix of youth and experience, but the managers, um, the way Darren Souls was sort of saying that a lot of these players, although they're not old, they have got experience. So like Josh Staunton, who he well, he's 26 today. Um, He's played a load of games. He, he, Played for Halifax in the National League, for I think he's got you know, he's got nearly 200 appearances in the National League, so there's others who are not necessarily experienced with age but have played a lot of football, um, and are using that, you know, we're mm. using that and leaning on that, mm.
4: yeah.
0: And
2: it's it's a, sorry,
4: I was about so that's been one of the biggest things about our recruitment recently that all of us when we first came out and down to the National League, it was all like, oh, let's get ex football league players on massive wages. And they were like, oh, now this season, yeah, we, we've signed a couple, but they've they've all basically been in the National League the majority of the career. And like the majority of the players we signed last season, which got us out the mire, were all from basically the National League North. We raided Gloucester. We took about six players or some at DAF like that. Yeah. And you're on about going back to Mark Little, also had a loan spell at Chesterfield, and I and I was looking at this earlier. The There's a lot of players that have played for Chesterfield and they also played for Yeovil.
2: Uh, yeah. Nathan, so, Smith.
4: Nathan Smith.
2: Did Andy uh, Welsh play for Chesterfield at one point?
4: Uh, I I I'm don't not sure know. I'm not sure he but, did. Like in recent years, you have got Jack Clark uh tom, uh, tom whelan. Whelan. well let's
2: talk i wanted to talk about <laughs> them because obviously <laughs> you signed whelan was your big signing last year wasn't it or well, he was one of your big seemed to be one of your big signs last year and did really well for you and then you signed jack clark who bombed on loan for us just did not fit at all and now you've signed clark and whelan's gone to eastley hasn't he so what what happened there
0: uh, when Whelan when first came in, he was, he was absolutely, absolutely electric for, for us. Um, his range of passing, his, his shooting, and he was such a direct midfielder as well. He had a load of really good attributes, which helped us out in a lot of games. But unfortunately for him, I think he had a lot of off-the-field issues uh, going on. I think he lost his uncle a few months ago, which was really, really hard for him. I, I think that must have knocked him a little bit and uh, affected the way that he was playing on the pitch. And also, uh, James Rowe has said that uh, there were issues with his fitness as well, uh, that it wasn't quite up to the fitness that, that was needed for the squad. Uh, so, I think that those reasons just contributed to him moving on. But, I mean, we were sad to see him, all sad to see him go when he left until we brought Clark in and then we were like, oh, well, at least we've got a decent replacement in for him.
2: Yeah, and it's sort of what's, you know, what have you seen from Clark? What's made Clark, Clark click? for chesterfield because for us you know he just looked a bit like he wanted to be jack Grealish, and it didn't just didn't work at all for us i don't you know we were like i said last season we were a bit of a basket case really and it was all a bit weird so i think yeah what what's why is he doing so well for you
4: (laughs) i think he still wants to be jack Grealish. to to be honest because there's at times where he does do things which are just the same as him but He's, he just absolutely clicked. I just don't know what it is. He like passes. He gets in behind. He creates opportunities. Like we, we were all shocked that we'd actually managed to keep him for this season. Admittedly, he's done his hamstring. He's out now till mid-November.
2: Oh, okay.
4: But he's he's just unbelievable. He's quick. I just don't get why it didn't work because we we must be watching a different player. Because for us, he's been absolutely outstanding. He yeah. has got a very good midfield around him though as well. He's got
0: players like Curtis Weston who are very, very solid and give him a good foundation so that he can work the tight areas, get himself into the number nine role, into little pockets of space. And that's where he does his best work as a, as a midfielder. So I'd say probably the players around him help him to flourish as
2: well. I think there's an element of um, our manager seems to need a certain type of character for his team. Um, and you know, that that works well with him. Um and may, you know, we saw the start of last season, we had a couple of loans. I mean three or four loans that just did not work. And obviously, you know, that's down to the recruitment side that didn't work. I wonder maybe Clark perhaps didn't fit in with how Darren Sowell likes to manage his team. I mean this year we've got an eighteen, actually he was nineteen today as well. We've got a couple of birthdays today. Um <laughs> Uh, sunny blue low everton has come in from watford and he's a yeah 19 year old i think he's he, he was in Wat. he's played some pre-season games for watford this season so they obviously think quite highly of him but he's he's come down on loan to us purely because of his relationship with baron Sale, who used to be the watford academy coach and by all accounts left a little bit under a cloud from there and it's largely down to Sonny and his family that he's come to Yeovil to work under Darren Sahl. so he's sort of playing in behind Joe Quigley at the moment and I think he's growing into it sort of each game he's getting a little bit better so hopefully on, well, hopefully for us on Saturday he'll, he'll show us what he can do and you know, he, he got an assist at the weekend but I think when you're playing in that number 10 position we, we want some shots and some goals from him really
0: yeah, I, I think that's often the case with managers. I think they always have their favourites, don't they? They have players who they've worked with before who they've really just clicked with. Uh, cause I guess it, the character of the players is always as important, really, as their attributes. Because they they can be, you know, one of the best players they've ever seen, but if they're an absolute idiot to them all the time and you know just not listening to them, then it's not going to work, is it? So. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's very important. And it, it's been the same for us, really. James Rose brought in a lot of players who he's, he's worked with before, both at um, Older shot and, obviously, at Gloucester last, um, last season. Um, and it, he always talks, says the same. He always talks about having the, the right kind of character in the dressing room. So, I think, yeah, going back to what we were on about with, with, with Clark and, I guess, with Whelan as well, um, there's a lot of stuff that goes, off, goes on off the pitch that we don't know about, I suppose, that con- all contributes to whether a player works or doesn't work. And I guess just the on-pitch characteristics aren't all of it kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Of course, the other player we've shared is Grant Smith, isn't it? Yeah. um, Yeah. What were your thoughts on him leaving Chesterfield?
0: I was sad because I thought he was a a decent goalkeeper, to be fair. And um, I think the reason he left was because we couldn't promise him first-team football with getting Scott Loach into the side uh, but it would have been an interesting battle between those two for the number one shirt if he'd stayed. I think. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a weird. That's another one. But it was just a bit inexplicable as to why he left because he, he was he was incredibly solid for us uh, for ages, and then uh, yeah, all of a sudden he just got dropped. <laughs> and we we brought um, James Montgomery in on a, on a short term deal, who I think had experience at this level before with was it Gateshead or somebody like that. Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he he played well to be fair Montgomery, but yeah, it just seems completely almost random that that had got dropped out of the team. So I think that was another off-pitch situation that one. Yeah. How's he done for you so far?
2: Yeah, he's really good. He's quite a calm goalkeeper. Um which is like the total opposite to what we had last year. We we had a another Smith, we had Adam Smith in goal last season and he a good shot stopper, but he liked to go for a wander um a bit of a screw loose, I think, <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the nicest sense of the word he he was yeah he, he he had he had an edge to him, um but yeah grant Grant Smith is like a nice calm goalkeeper, I think, and he certainly seems to have built a good relationship with his um the center backs in front of him, so yeah, I think well, I like him, I can't speak for all the overtown fans, but i'm yeah, I'm pleased with him as a signing, and I think. The fact that you guys were disappointed to see him go or that he'd done so well for you as well was sort of quite nice for us another one of these players if he has had something go on that there's reason he's left he's another one that fits under our manager's misfit tag really
4: yeah well he, he kept a load of clean sheets he kept like 14 clean sheets while he was with us or something daft like that yeah and it's just it's spectacular but With that, going going off clean sheets, here's one since our managers came in. We've kept something daft like, I think when I last saw it, 19 clean sheets in 36 games. Or something silly like that, isn't it? Didn't we go like seven hours of football without conceding a goal last season at
0: one
2: point? Yeah. But you've you've conceded some, haven't you, this season, just so that we're not totally... Yeah, oh yeah. yeah yeah we had a
0: nightmare <laughs> yeah. 5 minutes against Barnet uh, on Tuesday night oh sorry that's my dog squeaking uh, we'll just Walk out the way of him yeah we had a, a, night, a nightmare few minutes against Barnet on the on Tuesday night gave away two really sloppy goals um always oh, following me <laughs> you know what someone else talk i'm going to beat myself
4: yeah right so yeah last night we had an extremely mad 5 minutes where we allowed Barnet two shots from like 35 yards both of them Absolute flukes both took absolute wicked deflections, and we were, we were two nil up after six minutes, and honestly, in the first twenty minutes we could have been four five nil up, and no one had complained and then at half time it's like how the hell are we two two yeah, and then in the second half we just managed to grab two more goals and make it four two and then the Bromley game where we conceded two as well where we Michael Cheat went and scored in the 96th minute, so that that was annoying. But yes, we have conceded. We're not we're not a complete brick wall, but we're not far off.
2: <laughs> and are you? Um, how are you? How are you playing? Are you keeping the ball, moving the ball around a lot? What What's the sort of style of play at the moment?
0: Um, it, it's what we like to refer to on, on the Spy Arts Right podcast as peak row ball, which is. <laughs> um, the high the high press uh, in midfield probably in the the middle third of the pitch winning the ball back and then um, they're very fast forward attacking play to try and catch teams out basically and um, we've we've done it pretty well in most of the games Uh, it seems like we've sacrificed a certain degree of attacking fluidity for defensive solidity though actually so far I think um, we've been trying to be a bit more solid perhaps than we were last season and. We've got the job done in most games. Uh, the Bromley game was one where that was really frustrating because we, we literally had them hemmed in for most of the game. And you know what You know what? teams like Bromley are like? They're going to nick Oyton and have one more chance and nick a goal, aren't they? And that was a really frustrating way to draw the game in the end. And then obviously, I went down to Dover on Saturday, and that was easily the worst performance I've seen since James Roe came in. We just weren't trying to play play for passing football at all. Uh, it was li- literally just hoofball, and that, and that play right at of was hands. So it was a really uncharacteristic performance, really. But, yeah, generally speaking, sort of the high-pressing midfield and then fast-attacking play mm. forwards is how we try and play. We,
4: we love passing it round as centre-arbs. And then on the uh, left, well, we played five at the... I'd say we played three at the back and two wing-backs. So on the left, we've got Calvin Miller, who was at Notts County last season on loan. And then on the right we have Jeff King, who was at Halifax last season. I think he was in the National League team of the season or something. Yeah. And uh, at the moment we pass it round the back three, and then we just look to hit them on like the long diagonal. Okay. And if and if that's not on, then we do what we call peak row ball, <laughs> which is. <laughs> It is a ball from basically our centre-half, Gavin Gunning, straight into the centre-attacking midfielder who turns on a sixpence normally and then just, again, slots in Miller or King to put crosses in. Okay, It is death by width. It's yeah. peak row ball. Well, I've
2: got, got to say, our last, so our last two matches, the Stockport and Halifax games, uh, back threes with wing-backs up high and we sort of handled that quite, quite nicely. Um, so I think that's probably good practice to play you guys really is in, in playing those two, those two teams. Um, I think what we managed to, what we managed to do on Saturday against Stockport was that their two wingbacks weren't particularly defensively inclined. So our, we ended up playing, um, more of a four-two-four in that game. The the wingers were, you know, in behind a lot of the time because the their wing backs were so far forward. So, you know, that could be a trend if, you're, if your if wing backs like to get right up with our fullbacks.
4: We we say that, but then we've got. Uh, I don't know James Rowe. Every game makes about four or five changes. I think he's done four or five changes in every game so far this season. Yeah. So we honestly haven't got a clue what's coming one game <laughs> to next. Yeah. And he said that in his post-match interview last night. Like, I just love changing the sides and keeping it fresh, <laughs> and ch- and constantly changing his tactics. It's not not oh. not even the
0: mystic beg himself that is John Crew, who can predict a pandemic, can predict <laughs> the starting <laughs> lineup of James
2: Rowe. Well, yeah, I think I mean, and that's where our managers are probably the opposite then, because we know that. Darren Sale will, like you know, will be set up. It'll be four four two without the ball, four two four with it, um, and that you know, which is quite nice because previously it's always been a diamond. So we always played a really narrow diamond midfield, and, and you know, as Yeovil Town fans over the years, we've sort of been spoilt by having really good wide players, and so having to adapt to just playing four centre midfielders was. Quite tricky because we like wingers who cross really, um. And this season we've got that, so that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, I think we need to talk a bit more about Kabongo Shimanga, um, Yeah Town lone legend. <laughs> <laughs> he played played zero minutes. Um, does he only score penalties? Uh,
0: no. No, not at um. it's, all. It's a common misconception about about him. Okay. Uh, he did get two penalties on Tuesday night, to be fair. So probably not backing my point up that well, really. But um, no, he's he's a powerful striker who like sit on the shoulder of the defender, make diagonal runs across, um, makes runs into the channels as well. He's absolutely rapid. So he's got a lot of, a lot of attributes which might win him a lot of penalties, uh, which is maybe why he earns a lot. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think. In terms of his finishing as well, he, he is very good in the penalty area and that's where he does his best work as a centre-forward.
4: Yeah, w- one thing we noticed from when you watched him against Borum Woody is he is this small, you know, like stocky striker that holds the ball up well. And I saw, honestly thought it was all arms and elbows, you know, into defenders. But honestly, he is rapid. Honestly, he's a lot quicker than what anyone thinks he is. That ball gets him behind. There's only one person on the end of it. And that's shimanga He's just so quick, you know. And then he's got and then he's got quick feet as well. I'm just, I'm just so glad we bought him. Like none of us expected us at the end of the season or in the summer to be going buying Shibong, I mean Kabongo Shimanga, you know. And the fact that we've got him and the fact like he scored six goals. Yes, three have been penalties, but three haven't been penalties. So <laughs> um, at the end. At the end of the day, though, if he's on penalty duties,
2: you know. I mean, I can't talk. Our top scorer scored three penalties as well, so. so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's he's one of those signings that sort of makes you think, oh, that's a good signing, especially when he, you know, he's done it really well for Boar and Wood, and you sort of thought the next step might be, um, might be up into the football league, but you know, as we've seen this season, the the national league is a bit. Of a, <laughs> a bit of a freak case with the money that's being thrown around. Um, mm. You were surprised that we you sort of spent that money on him. Do you think that's a bit of a reaction to what's happening elsewhere in the division?
4: I I, I don't know because we we'd already got Danny Rowe as well. Yeah, you know the the National League goal scoring machine. <laughs> so so we we were quite content because we'd got Stefan Payne. Who's you know an ex used to play in the national league, gone and had a, a bit of a nomad in the football league. We've got Danny Rowe. We know we've got a Quasi Asante coming back at some. Oh uh, yeah, point, of course. Yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> which which will be like a completely new signing when he's back. We're hoping the rumor has it, he was meant to be out till January, but he might be back in October. All right. <laughs> which I don't know honestly. Don't know how he's managed to recover two months from doing an ACL. And we all thought, oh, we'll be fine. You know, we've got these and we'll just look forward. And we've, who else do we have up for? And we'd got Nathan Tyson, you know, that we thought yeah. we could bring in. And then all of a sudden we go by Shamanga. I honestly don't know if it was, but apparently we'd been after him all summer. All right. Even before any of like the other, you know, transfers, you know, that were happening. So I don't know. I think it was all pre planned. Like, like I said, if the the podcast runabout is called We Are Sailing, on uh, and it's, again, with the directors, and they had meetings and all sorts to sit down to prove if we wanted to spend as much money as what we did. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it was knee-jerk. I'd say it was a properly planned-out transfer, which is something we haven't seen at our football club in a good five years, because normally, like I said earlier on, we're signing 35-year-olds who want a decent pension. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, on and one last.
0: Go on, Tom it, oh, Matt. It, 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 it's, it's a case of the club's coming to an unexpected windfall with the um, insurance money. So they've highlighted an asset because he is an asset at the age that he is, and with his goal-scoring record, who is going to do well for us, and then can move on and make the club money in the future. And for a fan-owned club, that source of revenue from transfers is, is a massive, a massive factor. So I think in in that regard, it's it's a cracking bit of business for the club. Yeah, I think I think the other thing with it as well, it is two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, but it's spread over thirty six months of payments apparently. Uh, so we're going to be paying it back for the next three years, which obviously it's a bit of a gamble. But if we do get back into the football league in the next year or two, with the, with the TV revenue and stuff from you know getting into the league, um, I think that's kind of what they're gambling on that you know we'll just be able to pay off easily anyway because of the extra revenue or whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah, that sounds. Sounds like a good piece of business. Um, what is your thoughts on the, the situation with the rest of the league? You know, Stockport spending money, Wrexham, you know, they're just, it's mental what's going on at Wrexham, Notts County who are um, putting a lot into it as well. It's going to be a massive challenge to get out of the the league this year with only, you know, only two go up and, you know, even when you look at like what Dagenham are doing at the moment, there, there's, there's a lot of teams vying for those two spots. What, what do you make of it?
4: Well, Notts County only sign our rejects, so <laughs> that, that was their transfer policy. And Dagenham and Redbridge, this is an assumption that they're this small club with no money. But if you actually look at what their owners are, they've actually got a quite a bit more money than what everyone lets on. Yeah. So I'm not and actually...
2: they, they made some good signings last season in the summer yeah. that all, all got injured. Yeah, so I'm I'm they, not yeah, they came back towards the second half of the season and that was when they all they made a little bit of a run for it, didn't they? I thought they could yeah. sneak into the playoffs.
4: So I'm not surprised they're up there. You know, they're not undercover. But Stockport and Wrexham, geez, if you think we're spending money, all I've got <laughs> to say is Paul Mullin.
2: Yeah. And yeah.
4: you you're talking I don't even know how much they spent on it, but you're talking at least four or five grand a week. Yeah. yeah. And at this level, four or five grand a week could get, easily get you 10 players. So, yeah. I and mean, then they, I was about to say, they've got Ben Tozer as well. They've got this Lloyd Jones, is that his name from uh, Lincoln as well? You know, it's, it's, it's crazy money. You know, we're not even, even we who spent nearly two, like, Tom said nearly 250,000 on Shimanga, even we're not in the same league as spending the money they're spending.
0: It's just a crazy league these days, isn't it, the National League? It's, just, it's absolutely bizarre, the sort of gap between the teams at the bottom and the teams at the top. And, uh, it's just it's a combination of um, big X league clubs like ourselves dropping in and um, you know, it's, it's really struggling to get straight back up because it is a tough league and obviously only two, two go up to the football league which i mean if i'm honest i think that has to change at some point really i think um, the after Nash- the, the cloud League has grown massively in, in recent years and i think at, at this point there's no reason for it not to sort of um, align itself with the football league a bit more
2: yeah, yeah i you- think if you've Sorry. got like if you've got like south end and you know south end and grimsby who if they don't find their way up um, this season that you know there's going to be some massive massive teams left down here with you know say Wrexham don't go up and the amount of money that they've got and the amount of clout they've got you know the EFL is going to be wanting a team like Wrexham to be in there because people are going to want to watch them on you know if you know how everyone puts Salford on telly all the time don't they you know that's going to be the next team if they go up to the football league they're going to be the next team that gets all the tv games when it comes to televising a league two match isn't it
4: yeah 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 I'd argue we're in a bigger league than League Two at the moment. When you look at it, this, yeah, there's some big teams. Yeah, you've got Bradford, but when you look at the teams that are in this league, I'd say at the moment it's potentially a bigger league than League Two in terms of money spent and following. It's crazy.
0: The top two, the top two, the top few teams in the league for sure <coughs>
2: would have more than held their own in League Two or League One. Yeah. There's not that much different between the bottom half of League Two and the national and the top half of the National League, really.
0: No, I mean there's there's plenty of clubs in this league now. who have even been in the Championship, like you guys, for example, Stockport. You know, lots of lots of big clubs down here. now. Grimsby, so yeah, Grimsby, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, South End, you know, it wasn't long ago that South End were in the Championship, either, was it? You know. Who was their player? They used to have. was really good. Freddie Eastwood, wasn't it? They had some. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know they were beating Man United on, on telly.
4: <laughs> well, we um, got to the League One playoffs and failed yeah. spectacularly at, 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 Prem, at Preston. Yeah.
2: is what it is. That was when you were on your way up, wasn't it? Is that when you you spent quite a bit of money to get um up. after a new ground? Is that right? New stadium, and then it all sort of went a bit.
4: Yeah, and the long. the spectacular de- decline when we had some the likes of Sam Clucas, Sammy Morsi, Gary Roberts, yeah. Owen Doyle, and <laughs> well, we sold Owen Owen Doyle. He'd scored twenty goals up to January, and we I think we sold him for a bag of footballs. Gen- <laughs> genuinely, we sold a player for half a million pound to uh, to Cardiff. Yeah, we we could have slapped three four million on him. And we didn't, so we got half a million pounds. It's crazy. And the ex- <laughs> yeah. the excuse was at the time was when these big clubs come coming in, you can't convince your players to stay. Like, what policy is that? <laughs> oh, we'll accept the first offer, but, yeah. but we could have been in the same league as Cardiff if we kept him.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they are a bit, they're they're a bigger club than Chesterfield. Oh I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs>
0: We're not. We're not. We're not denying that, No. No. Um. To what I see in football, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Um. So Saturday, what are you? Are any of you coming down? What are you? What are your expectations?
0: Yeah, I'm actually all about coming down. So it's going to be my second insanely long away trip in two weeks. Um, as long as I see some goals and. It's not like a boring draft nil nil draw. I'm happy to be honest. So this it's, it's yeah. a new one on my list as well. Actually,
2: I've never been to Huish Park. Huish
0: Huish Park. Huish. Huish. Sorry. Yeah. Don't <laughs>
2: worry. Everyone gets it wrong on the telly all the time. It's <laughs> extremely annoying. <laughs> yeah. No. It, well. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. Don't get your hopes up for. You know. It's it's not. It's not the Emirates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But
0: what are you expecting then for the weekend?
2: Um, I think, you know, I'm hoping for the same as the last couple of games, really. We've, we've as long as we don't have any injuries, we've not got any changes to the team. I, I'm c- quite confident that we can keep teams out because we seem to be able to. Um, It's just taking our chances when we get them. It, you know, I'm fairly, you know, we're fairly predictable of how we're going to set up, so... Yeah, just more of the same of of what we've had so far, really. I think, I think it'll be a good game. I think that's the one thing we were sort of worried that we were going to be playing this drab defensive football. But what we seem to do is when we get, when a team gets within you know a certain distance of of the goal, all of a sudden we hound, we press, and then we we play the ball out nicely. It's not really sort of hoofball either. So it has been entertaining to watch. So yeah, fingers crossed we can. Do the same as we did to Stockport.
0: Yeah, I've well, thought, uh, we're, I... we're hoping you won't do that, obviously, <laughs> but I, just, I think it'll yeah. be an entertaining game. I can see it being a score draw, and in all honesty, with the form you guys are in, I'd take a point.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah, I was, yeah, I was just going to say that. When I saw that the fixture had been rearranged and we were playing you a lot, I was like, oh God, what are we doing? <laughs> it's not a good time to be playing you, it really isn't.
2: No, no, then that's what goes in our favour. But I mean, at the same time, you know, you're unbeaten so far this season, so it's not a good time to be playing playing you either. So that's probably what will make it a, a decent game of football.
4: Yeah, we have to lose at one point, so...
2: <laughs> that's a good, way, good place to end it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've not got anything else, unless you wanted to ask me anything
0: one, one uh, last thing. You guys have got Adi Yusuf, haven't you? We have, yeah. How's he getting on? He, he uh, played for us last season.
2: He scored his first goal on Saturday, which came from a, a wayward back pass. And he, he had a little bit to do. He put him through on goal, but he megged the keeper, um, which was cool. Uh, he He's getting up to fitness and sort of finding, yeah, finding his fitness and how he fits in. But he's coming, off coming off the bench, and he's got quite a lot of energy to bring on. So he's, I think, his first game when he came on, he was he was a bit wild, and he had opportunities to pass it, and he decided to shoot. But he looks a threat. I don't know if he's a bit, um, I don't know really. Yeah, when he's come on, he looks he looks a threat. He looks like he's going to do something. Teams uh, certainly Halifax seem to back off him quite a lot when he had the ball. He's quite direct. Um, what you, what are, what's your guys' experience of him? He
0: didn't, we had, he had him didn't last season. Sleep um, in.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah, he's got that no goal, no sleep policy, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, so, he, he must yeah. have got a lot of sleep for his last season.
2: Um, to be fair Wide to away. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> no, he got. I think he got one goal for us, didn't he, or something? But. Um, it wasn't for the lack of trying. To be fair, he had a lot of effort, energy, yeah. and effort, like you said, but it, it just didn't really come off for him at, at Chesterfield.
2: Yeah, no, he's got something. There's something. There's something there. Um, there's a player
0: in there. It's just it's just getting him out.
2: Yeah, yeah. Which uh, you know, when we signed Joe Quigley last season, Dagenham fans were laughing at us, and you know, he he reached double figures last year and hit the ground running this season. So you know, we're quite. We're quite pleased with how the managers coached him and what you know what they've done to get more out of him. So I think we're sort of hoping the same come from Yusuf, albeit he's a little bit older than Quickly. Yeah.
4: What? What? Uh, one question we always ask and we always ponder it on our podcast every week is, what are your thoughts on five subs instead of seven N- nowadays in the national league with teams being able to field seven subs?
2: Uh well it wouldn't make much difference to us because we've only you know a couple of games we've only had four anyway so <laughs> right <laughs> so our our squad depth our squad depth is not huge um yeah so to be as a Yeovil Town fan it's wouldn't make much difference to us um I remember when we were in when we were first in the football league and you know it went from five to seven and our manager at the time Russell Slade would only play. He'd just have five outfield players on the bench because he didn't want to waste a position on the goalkeeper. He mm. thought if a goalie gets injured or sent off, it is what it is. But, you know, the amount of times that happens, um, mm. he'd, rather, he'd rather have an extra outfield player as an option to bring on. So,
4: mm. yeah, yeah I, don't know.
2: I, I don't know if that's the way I'd go. Certainly on Football Manager, that's what I do.
4: Yeah, well, yeah, same on Football Manager. Even <laughs> our manager does it in real life. Yeah, with the five subs, yeah, there's no point having I mean, a goalkeeper because, like you said, how often you get off. But with the size of our squad, we're all like, Why can't we just have seven? You know, because then with seven, you know that you'd have a keeper on there,
2: yeah. it's just at the moment
4: you don't have the room to do it, like, you'd rather have your five outfield players.
2: Yeah, I think you've got, I think when you've got like part time clubs, they're like Dover, uh, I don't know if Wildstone are still part time or not, but you've got there there are smaller teams that just don't don't have that level of squad, do they really? So I mean even we're you know, we're a full time club but we don't we can have seven subs at the moment, um, with with the injury injury issues we've got. So I don't know. I think if everyone was full time and you were all, you know, the same sort of structure of a football club, then I think it's the right thing to do, but because you've got that disparity, I think it's probably, probably fair.
4: Fair
2: enough. Sorry. Why
4: Why don't we have seven sobs? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, because then Wrexham could have seven football league players on the bench.
4: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Worth about seven million pounds. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. <laughs> um it is an. Inter- I mean, it's an interesting discussion, but yeah, I think Yeovil Town fans would like just like to fill a bench with five at the moment. So. <laughs> 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 then we'll then we'll get there.
0: <laughs> well, this, is, this is the thing with National League. Though. It's always been a bit of a weird league because there's just so many clubs that are in wildly different places, aren't there? At the end of the day, so that's probably why the National League board, I'd say, was trouble governing it actually, because it's just a weird league and it's not really a one size. Fits all for a lot of the
2: roles. So. No, I mean when we went up in two thousand and three, um, we were one of the only. I think it was us and Doncaster. There was there was probably a couple of others that were full time, but we were one of the the biggest teams in the club who went full time, and that meant that all of our players were ridiculously fitter than everyone else because we didn't have that. I mean, you don't have you didn't have the experts like you did. Like you do now, like everyone can be a personal trainer and anyone can go and you know get their fitness levels to a decent standard, can they? Um, yeah, you didn't really have that back then. So we, you know, we won the league a hundred points, uh, or a hundred goals. No, we scored more than a hundred goals, I think. Um, yeah, we won the league at a canter that season, and that's the you know the big difference that we've noticed from coming down after so long in the football league is. You know that playing field is a lot more level. We used to the the season we came up, we smashed teams like fours, five, sixes, you know, mm. um, nearly every week. So it, it's um, yeah, it's a very different, very different division to what it was.
0: It's a lot more. It is a lot more professional nowadays, like you say, and even like the side clubs have got sports scientists and are looking more at the. Analytical side of the game nowadays, and it's just the way football on the whole is going, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, like you say, it is a much more level playing field as a result of that.
2: Yeah, and that's why there's about eight teams that are trying to get out of the league this year, <laughs> yeah. if not more. <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be a good run, and yeah, hopefully, Saturday's hopefully Saturday we can cement ourselves into the playoffs. Hopefully, not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been nice to talk to you, lads again. um I think our next game's now been moved to February, hasn't it uh yes, we I were meant think... to play you in a couple of weeks away, but now it's been moved to February instead.
4: yeah, probably it'll be a Tuesday night, so it'll be you know a horrible trip.
2: <laughs> no, do you know what it is its it is a Saturday oh we've whoa. just we've just swapped, so we were meant to be playing you at home on that Saturday. But, right. now, but now we're playing your way, um, Yeah. Looking at the fixtures, so yeah, we'll talk again around then and see how injured Shimanga is. Oh, <laughs> and... well, it's all right. Asante will be yeah, back that <laughs> point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exciting. Well, good luck for Saturday. Um, hopefully, you don't enjoy it too much.
0: Maybe you've made the best team win.
2: Yeah, that's a good yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cheers. Yeah, thank yeah, you. cheers. Thank you. Huge thank you to Ian and the guys from the Spy Right Track for their conversation uh, just yesterday. Chesterfield on Saturday. Then Marcus, of course, it wasn't meant to be. It was meant to be. Altrincham, it's all changed very, very quickly. Altrincham's game and Chesterfield's games uh, both uh, had uh, Covid postponement, so Altrincham had to pull out of their next couple. Chesterfield suddenly became free, and so Chesterfield are now coming to Hewish Park on this Saturday. Just a quick note, by the way, that the game that was going to be played on Saturday, the 2nd of October in Chesterfield, is no longer going to be. They pushed that back to the original date of Yeovil versus Chesterfield. Clear as mud, right? Easy, but basically we're not playing Chesterfield away in a couple of weeks. We are playing Chesterfield at home on Saturday. Um, Marcus, what a strange um uh, sort of a series of events almost, but not the first one we've seen, of course. Um, Wrexham, of course, had a game called off against us on the first day and rearranged the game with Kings Lynn, sharpish. Um do you think clubs are making a conscious effort to make sure that they have backups in mind and should things go awry there is always a 23rd club there's always a club out because of the number of teams in the league it's something that seems to happen or has happened a few times
3: yeah that's that's the thing because that the twenty we were the 23rd club on tuesday, tuesday were we yeah. yeah um which was strange seeing a, a full fixture list and not us um but it's, it's strange because i've I haven't seen many of these sort of things going on outside the National in in sort of the Football League and above. Yeah, it's true. But in the National League, it, it seems to be happening a lot. I mean, it happened with us already, and it probably worked out quite well that we didn't get battered by Wrexham on the first day. Dodged a um, bullet there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, I mean, it's worked out really well. When people saw that Chesterfield woking, was but I mean it makes perfect sense and the yep. gaffer said in his press conference that Chesterfield were very proactive with it so they I mean they're on a good run so they clearly want to keep that going we're on a good run want to keep that going you don't want that break in it two weeks between games and then you've lost it so I think it works out rather well for everyone to be honest.
1: Yeah I think you're right it uh, does probably give Yoval their What's the word? Toughest of the four games. We've obviously won this three on the spin shot, Halifax, Stockport, and now Chesterfield. You could well, argue that Kings Lynn are the anomaly after that big pause. shot, nice win, 2 1. Halifax, TV hoodoo gone. Stockport away. I mean, that was a heck of a result, albeit against a woeful Stockport side. This to me feels like the biggest challenge so far this season, but we've met every previous challenge along the way.
3: Yeah, it's funny because if you looked at it at the beginning of the season and seen, I know Chesterfield at home wasn't at this time, but if you saw Stockport away and then Chesterfield at home, you'd be, that's tough. would take a but point, but wouldn't you? I think you'd be more worried about Stockport away because it's you're not at home, it's Stockport. They've brought in God knows however many people. Mm. We've just battered them 3-0. Yeah, uh, and now we've got Chesterfield at home who are oh, second in the league. But... Um, yeah, it is it is a tough one, but I think it's a really good time for us to play them because we wouldn't want to play them when we're down and out uh, like we did. I think we played them away last season, got battered 3-0 when we weren't in a great run of form. Yeah, playing night. them now, it's a, it's a good test to see where we're at. Stockport weren't in great form. This team are in good form. There can't be any excuses because, I mean, beating, as in any excuses from them if we lose... If they lose, sorry, because beating Stockport, a lot of people, especially from the Stockport side, saying we've been in terrible form. OK, we beat them. If we beat Chesterfield, we're uh, we're turning into party poops, I think. We're right up there. I I
1: completely agree. And I was interested to look at the Chesterfield uh, results. And they've beaten Aldershot away. Fine, opening day of the season. Beaten Wealdstone at home. Fine, you'd expect them to. They've beat Lynn away, fine. You'd expect them to. They've drawn 2-2 at Bromley, which I thought was interesting because they uh took the didn't take the lead, sorry, they had to come back from behind. Michael Cheek does what Michael Cheek does best, scored a couple for Bromley on that day. Then oh, Drew
3: Nil-Nil away at Dover. And that is a real freak. Dover's only point. Brings them to the heavy heights of minus eleven. I know, that's what I mean. So
1: and then 4-2 against Barnett, and we're going to touch on uh, Kabongo Tishmanger in a little bit because obviously he's going to be a big thing, but they went 2-0 up inside 10 minutes, were pegged back to 2-2 and then got away with it in the uh, second half. Gave away, uh, Barnett gave away two penalties. Yeah, so <laughs> a, a Barnett side who aren't great, amazing, have scored two, have given away a couple of penalties and Chesterfield have come out looking like a million bucks.
3: and. A- they have played six games. Chesterfield, yep. one, four. All six of those teams make up the bottom seven at the moment. The only team in the bottom seven they haven't played are Torquay. Looking at it, the bottom seven: are Wheelstone, Bromley, Kingslin, Torquay, Aldershot, Barnet, Dover. They're all teams Chesterfield have played. So I, I don't want to get ahead of uh, ourselves and say it's you a can. False you position. can. On,
1: you can on the
3: <laughs> cast. I'm no can longer with me. <laughs> yes, when
1: I'm on, it, you can get us.
3: Far ahead of yourself as you like. You, you do just wonder whether those draws against Bromley and Dover, and then wins you'd probably expect against Aldershot, wheels Kings Lynn, who we didn't manage it against, but I think the red card didn't help in that. And Barnet, who they seem to struggle against, is yeah. I mean, they, they we are the toughest challenge they've had so far. It's going to be really interesting to see how they play against us and uh, how they fare. But I'm quite confident weirdly if if I'd said this at the beginning of the season I think I'd be very confused with myself but uh no at the moment (laughs) yeah they just having only played six of the bottom seven I think I think I think it's okay we don't have anything to be terrified about but it will be a tough game I love the way you flipped that I said that this was going to be our toughest (laughs) and you flipped it to
1: say that we're going to be there toughest task and actually i think that's a really interesting way of looking at it i think you're absolutely spot on i'd argue that beating halifax who were up for the fight on tv and then going to stockport and not just beating them let's not get this let's we battered stockport they at sixes and sevens it could have been if it had ended eight nil i wouldn't have been any more concerned um so that's really really interesting i think the really the difference here that halifax didn't have Stockport didn't have is that Chesterfield do have a proven bona fide proper goal scorer. He got a hat-trick on Saturday, Kabongo Tishmanga, once of this parish, although you wouldn't know it because he never kicked a ball. What a strange little quirk that is. He has a great record against us. He has three goals in four games for Boreham against us. Um, He is one of those players that I look back on and think, "How did we miss this one? Very, very strange, but what a striker.
3: I'm trying to think who we had during that season ahead of him, but he didn't come with a huge amount of pedigree. I mean, he'd been a he'd scored six goals at about seven different clubs on loan in total before us, which I mean isn't a great record. that's six goals in total. um but now it's six in six for Chesterfield. Um, I was told by someone that, because it was an on-running joke when, during that season, when he was never even named on the bench. No. And I was told by someone that he'd actually been sent home, been sent back to MK Dons, because we signed him in January, in about February. Um, Really? But Darren Way was insistent that that didn't get out and no one says a word, um, because he would have been embarrassed or something, I guess, that he signed him and not done much with him but yeah a bit of a bit of a sad one apparently he used to just eat his lunch on his own um but he's doing amazingly now uh yeah. I mean they've yeah Chesterfield are one of those clubs with all the the money in non-league and it was always going to be them Stockport or Wrexham or even Solihull who who signed Chimanga I could see really um and I'm not surprised he's left Boreham Wood to be honest no, me neither. I'm just looking at your point there about who else we had
1: ahead of him. I'm just looking now. We had a uh, a game against Port Vale, which would have been on the 13th of January. So a couple of weeks after he'd signed, Francois Zoko, Sam Surridge, and on the bench, we had Marcus Barnes. <laughs> that is a name that was, I had completely forgotten about. Was this the about.
3: season we signed Jack Storer on loan from Birmingham? Oh, he got sent off. And he was just... He came with so much pedigree. Birmingham fans were like, oh, he's amazing. And he was just, he was useless.
1: He was the most aggressive.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Awful. Uh, Alex Fisher, Ryan Seager
1: were in around the squad at that point. I see we played a Johnson's paint trophy game. On the 9th of January, that would have been prime debut opportunity. We went with Sam Surridge and Alfie Santos, thought, <laughs> with uh, with Francois Zocco. They've gone on to
3: different paths since then. They,
2: they have. And,
1: and a player named Gulebikas. Yeah, Goulibikas? He,
3: he was, I, I only know him because when I used to manage Jovel on Football Manager, he was a Lithuanian, either full international or under 21 on the game. And so every time there was an international break, he'd always get called up. I was like, who's this? And uh, yeah, he was an academy lad who never really saw the light of day. No, nope. and yet like... he's still got more squad time than Kambongo Chishmanga. <laughs> Must have something. Yeah, so he'll
1: be back with what you would think will probably be a bit of a point to prove, Kambongo. He seems to always score against us. Like I say, three and four, I think it is, for uh, Boreham Wood. Think he's played. He played for. He made his MK Dons debut when we met them on the final day of the season. It ended five one to MK Dons. Delhi Alli, as his
3: goodbye before he left for Spurs, tore us a new one. That's always the the uh, the the timeline on various Twitter pages. When Delhi Alley does well, it's like five years ago he was. <laughs> beating Yeovil 5-1 it's always us I, d- I don't know why everything's <laughs> always us. why always us <laughs>
1: everything is always us it is just never anything other than us of course it's us um so yes uh, we are looking out for him but let's fling this back to a positive again it was mentioned in the press conference today that we have got I call them uh, I call them Phil and Grant um Darren Syle calls them Josh and Dale in midfield. Um, they've had a very, very successful little partnership of keeping influential players quiet. John Rooney didn't really get a kick. Uh, Matty Warburton didn't get a kick for Halifax. Jordan Sloop, Paddy Madden didn't really get a kick. Do you think that's going to be
3: their task for the weekend to keep uh, Tish Manga quiet? They seem like absolute nuisances to play against. It would just be horrible. But that's exactly what you want from your club. We've been missing that for so many years and we had Charlie Lee but he was the only one who really could do it and so when he was out it was a bit of a struggle but yeah this this partnership just they they just seem horrible which which is amazing and I love it and I love it and yeah it's exactly you want the the away team or the opponent to get absolutely wound up and that that's that seems to be what they do I do worry that in a few games we'll be without Potentially both of them due to suspensions as they seem to pick up yellow cards in virtually every game. Uh, But we're used to that and we've got a few players who can fill in there, whether they can fill their boots. It's okay. But yeah, they, I mean, they've been so important that just ahead of an incredibly strong partnership of Wilco and Max Hunt to have that core in the middle uninterrupted compared to last season is just, unbelievable when you think about the combinations with Dicko and Alby at center back or whatever we had and michael kelly at right back it's <laughs> it's horrible to think about that that was though yeah crikey
1: <laughs> and and it's a great point about charlie lee because charlie lee um suggested Del gorman to the gaffer during the off season and charlie lee for as good as he was and as much as we loved him he was on his own he was in and out the side he was you no, know, he didn't train and then he just turned up and played. And you get the feeling that these two are are keeping a, a real, like you say, that quartet, that four, poor old Morgan Williams. I was really excited about him signing. He can't get a kick because he can't get in this team. So, um, yeah, that little that little four have got a real tough task on their hands on Saturday. But I think like we've alluded to, they are possibly in their best possible position to do so. Whether or not it actually happens, I guess we'll find out. It was mentioned as well in the presser today that both Matt Worthington and Jack Robinson are now available. Jack Robinson, the loanee from Middlesbrough, who we haven't yet seen because he's had a little niggle, a little problem. He's been back at Middlesbrough getting treatment. And Matt Worthington, after that Kingsland red card, has uh, had his three matches off. We've won all three of them. And my question to you, Marcus, is how do you change a winning squad of 16 with two players that you'd probably like to have available to you? Do you make any changes at all? Do you change the 11? Do you change a couple on the bench? How do you, how do you go about integrating these two perfectly good players into
3: a winning squad? Well, that's the thing. I, I don't really see how you do. It's, uh, there's, no, uh, there's no point changing the starting 11. I, I don't think I mean, he alluded to that in his presser. There's, there's, that would just be foolish and incredibly harsh on the players. Um, in terms of the bench, you've got Max Evans, Morgan Williams, Alex Bradley, Toby Stevens, and Adi Yusuf. And Stevens seems like the one there to go out, and maybe Evans as well, because Darren Sol doesn't seem like massively uh in on the idea of having to have a keeper on the bench. We've seen a couple of times where he's because it it there should be seven subs. This is something Wilco said to me in commentary. I, I think it was in uh, off air. He he said the the lads absolutely hate it how there are only f- five subs allowed. I mean, I know only a few times we've only managed four on the bench. Yeah. But uh, I mean, was it the opening day this season? We only had four. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you do think to have options. I. It's tough for worthy because last season we were playing a lot more of a. It was very much a diamond, I think, with the holding midfielder too wide and then a more attacking midfielder. This season, it, it's just a sort of flat four-four-two.
1: With At times, a four-two-four. Yeah. 2 4 it It's fantastic. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think the natural thing will probably be Toby Stevens. And I think If he was to drop out for one or the other, not sure whether we've got any sort of agreement in place with Middlesbrough that Jack Robertson has to be involved for a certain amount of time or in a certain amount of squads or anything like that, as is sometimes the case with with lone players. But I was wondering, uh, your point about seven subs, I was going to bring this up actually because we were 3 and up against Stockport, absolutely hammered them. We were done and dusted. And the gaffer turns around and Morgan Williams was getting ready. And I think he might have said, actually, no, let's give Toby Stevens a couple of minutes. But on Saturday, we're probably going to lose Toby Stevens from the bench for one or the other maybe Robinson comes into the squad but if we're 3-0 up or 4-0 down or 5-0 down 6-0 up 6-0 down and you've got the opportunity to give Toby Stevens 10 more minutes he's now not available to you um how is it, it it cannot be conducive to producing youngsters if you cannot give them time on the bench we've given them a few times on the bench and times within match day squads but seventh sub would come in so nice and handy right now wouldn't it
3: yeah, and so many times you see in the National League, I mean, we saw it when Bromley came, when they didn't have a keeper on the bench because they needed that extra man where the centre-back Bush had to go in goal for about 80 mm. minutes. And I, I don't really see how much of a difference it would make for the, in terms of the league to just change it to seven. I don't see what benefit they get from keeping it at five. I get some teams are part-time, but to be honest, nowadays, very few in this division are. Um, and yeah, it, it was a rule in the EFL. I remember in our last season that we you, every team had to have a an academy product on the bench or in the uh, in the squad. And Gabby Rogers, poor lad, was on that bench every every week and was thrown on whenever we were getting a battering in the last 85th minute, in the eight, last five minutes. And uh, and I think it was uh, Darren Way's last game. Uh, at MK Dons which was his I think he knew he was on the cusp and he threw Gabby Rogers into the starting 11 uh, and it didn't go well but yeah in these last minutes I don't I just don't understand what the league gain out of it to be honest from not increasing it to 7
1: no and if you did increase it to 7 and some clubs were like well we can only field 6 well fine because you can yeah. only field 5 you know you've, you've still got an extra 1 on the bench maybe you turn around and say that again maybe you do turn around and say of your 7 2 must be under the age of 20 and of your own academy or whatever it may be, or, or set the rules out for the extra two so that they're designed for Toby Stevens and Max Evans. So you have them there. But we've had Ollie Haste, haven't we, make an appearance or two on a couple of substitutes benches in pre season? So there are clearly other people that might be benefiting. Get Skiverton
3: on the bench. Get him but, on. All of them. All of them. There's about seven. Benjani Jr. Benjani, he scored, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. Benjani Jr. I cannot believe we <laughs> got. When I saw that rumour come up, I, was, I, just, I just thought it was one of those terrible rumours you see where they tried to get clicks online from non-league clubs. But he's actually here. <laughs> actually
1: him, actually scoring actual goals for us. It's such a Yeovil thing to do. Yeah. Of course it's Yeovil that has Benjani Jr. on the bench. Of course it is. <laughs> Absolutely bonkers. But hey, that's the way it goes. If he scores as many as his old man does, I won't moan one little bit because he wasn't a bad striker. Um <laughs> Right, uh, we are talking about uh, Chesterfield on uh, Saturday afternoon. Remember, it is Chesterfield; it is a game taking place. I know plenty of people would have seen the Altrium game postponed and thought, "Well, that's my Saturday freed up." No, get yourself down to Hewish Park. Uh, will you be tuning in on the radio? Or
3: you gonna oh, be, uh, yeah, I'll be tuning in. It's uh, yeah, I, I actually haven't been. I managed to see us in the flesh yet. I watched the Halifax game on BT. And I've listened to all of them, listened to your, your dulcet tones on Saturday, Ben. <laughs> uh described it vividly. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to going to Boreham and Wood and seeing us play in the flesh because it is a lot very different. You you, you learn a mo- lot more about these players because at the moment I can see the the horribleness of uh Staunton and Gorman, but I think in person it will come out a bit more. When you hear the players screaming at them, that's uh, that's when you really get it.
1: Hopefully you'll be able to get that at Boreham Wood in uh, a week's time as well. So it's time now to take a little look at some questions. We only got the one and it's a bit of a silly one, but you know what? <laughs> we like silly ones here on the Glover's Cast. Matt Crivelli, hi Matt, how you doing? As his policy of signing players named after places in the UK, Barnett, Wakefield, Everton is proving to be successful. Who will Darren recruit
3: next? How are your geographical names,
1: Marcus? <laughs> who have we pulled out of the hat for this one?
3: Well, I'm, I'm going to have to copy uh, one of the ones he's already said in Wakefield and change it to Josh Wakefield. Who of course. We had on loan from Bourn- Bournemouth, was it? Yeah, it was uh, a while ago. Is he not at Weymouth now, though? Yeah, maybe not. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think of any. Oh, Naki Wells. Get him in. Wells. Get in and, he,
1: and he's not playing at Bristol City. Exactly. We, we could do with a, oh, we don't need it. We've got Joe no, Quigley. Yeah. If you want to come sit on a bench, it's fine.
3: Yeah. Warm the bench. Come... Well, we got Adi Yusuf. we got, you know.
1: We do have Adi Yusuf. <laughs> Crikey. It is, uh, it is quite difficult. I'm trying to think of others. I, I did a bit of a Google. Uh, Reece Oxford. Uh, who, Reece Oxford, yeah. I think he's He's, in pro, he's Yeah, he's probably Pittsburgh. a bit above us now. Yeah, he's playing the Bundesliga. It's probably a step or two too high. I'm, I'm uh, look, looking at Google what's, Maps. What's, what's Dion Dublin up to?
3: Yeah. Get him, get him in from homes under the hammer. Yeah, exactly. That might be way to go. Um, Chris Sutton, he had a, he, yeah. he
1: knew where the back of the net was. If anyone else out there, if any club's cast listeners do have <laughs> any more geographical footballers, um, Neville Southall, get him Neville in. Neville
3: Southall, do a job.
1: Yeah, okay. Like Southgate,
3: is that a, is that a push? Mm. North London. <laughs>
1: now 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 we're now we're yeah, Jason Scotland. <laughs> and we're on that territory now. Um, so okay, any more? Let us know at Gloverscast on social media, glovescast at gmail.com. That was the only question from the socials. I have a question though for you, Marcus, because it is your Gloverscast debut. Of course, I think you kind of had half an inkling this might be coming, but it is time for me to take apart your Tesco meal deal, of course. <laughs>
3: Well, there's, see, I have uh, had many meal deals over the past few years, uh, <laughs> due mainly on home, de- home games at Yeovil, when I'd go from my house in Exeter, stop off at the Tesco Metro, get a meal deal in, quickly catch the train from uh, Exeter Central, and uh, enjoy my meal deal on the train, looking over my commentary notes. And what I would tend to go for is no i don't actually know what it's called it's i go for value for money here okay ben, you, you, and uh, you're looking for profit <laughs> yeah exactly so I, i'd go for the the. i think it's called the chicken triple but it's oh. it's three sandwiches i think you get chicken, chicken and stuffing. you get a, yeah chicken and stuffing chicken and sweet corn and something else with chicken yeah. um which solid, solid three, it's you know it's two pound 75 on its own you're you only have to spend 25p more to make your money. Uh then I would tend to go for salt and vinegar McCoys. You know, elite. Get the ridges. Yeah. They maintain the flavor, in my opinion. Yeah, Unbelievable yeah. job. Uh, and then drink. Drink, I was a bit more, I, I tended to be a bit more versatile and I'd change, but I tended to go, what did I I'll tell you, an oasis. Because oh. I would never get that any other time apart from in a meal deal
1: as meatloaf so, uh, once said two out of three ain't bad <laughs> oasis ruined it you ruined it there at the end ruined it yeah ruined it what, what's wrong if, with oasis if you're playing for the profit you got to go red bull
3: yeah, you gotta, you're not, you, yeah if you're, you're playing not for the profit you got to go for the red bull or a powerade I, or something back in I the day i did get a red bull once actually and it was it's fitting that we're playing chesterfield because chesterfield at home last season i woke up a bit worse for wear i'd been okay, yeah. drinking the night before it was On a school night? On on a university night. Uh, (laughs) But it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't in a great way. The trains were screwed. I had to go to Pen Mill, which is a different route, and then I had to get a rail replacement back. And the game was awful. It was abysmal. We lost 1-0 to that stupid tall bloke, Tom Tom Denton, uh, scoring. And I remember it was, we still hadn't won. Chesterfield had won like once. They were also in terrible form. Everyone thought it would be the game to change it. We lost 1-0. Boris then announced another November lockdown. Oh, worst day of my life, Ben. Um, hopefully, t- hopefully Saturday won't be the same.
1: Nice way to end this podcast. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, everyone. So I'm wouldn't... getting
3: two out of three on the meal deal. You're
1: getting two out of three. It's a solid four and a half out of seven. No, four out of seven. We don't do halves.
3: Okay. Four okay. out of
1: seven. It's okay. It's it's bang in the middle of the road. Um, I just noticed actually, Grant Smith was in goal last time we played against Chesterfield. He kept a clean sheet. Same again, please, Grant. And I was at the game in 1920, which Chesterfield <laughs> did not want to happen. Uh, when we went away from home, it kicked off about half an hour late because of the torrential oh, rain. I thought
3: you meant the year 1920. I, I oh I was, no, thought you were talking about some historic game. You're trying to make a. <laughs> yeah. Dave Coach was at that one in 1920, the old git.
1: 2019 yeah 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 Chesterfield didn't want to happen because they were uh, it was raining a bit and they didn't want to get wet uh we beat them 2-1 it was very very nice Murphy and Hippolyte on the score sheet there listen we've been talking a little bit I think uh, the chat with the Chesterfield lads in the middle has taken us a fair chunk into our uh, allotted time so Marcus I'm going to take this time to thank you for all that you did on the stream last year you made our experience that a little bit better secondly thank you for making your Glovers cast debut and I'm going to wish you nothing but the absolute best for that Bournemouth game you're going to have a great great time Sheridan's brilliant (laughs) to work alongside of and you're going to really enjoy it
3: no thank you Ben thank you for asking me on and thank you to you and Ian and Dave for everything you do for because it's a it's an amazing way of keeping in touch with what's going on especially with everything that's happened over the last year you couldn't really get out and you were the voices through many people's uh, lockdown. So, yeah, thank you very much from, I think, everyone who supports the Oval, pretty much.
1: Well, see, this is a nice way to end the <laughs>
3: Everyone being nice to everyone else.
1: Gloverscast listeners, thank you, as always. Tweedledee and Tweedledum will be back at uh, the uh, weekend to discuss the Chesterfield game, I'm sure. But for now, thanks ever so much for joining us.
0: And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dox lands it in.
3: Lindegaard making back backpedal Davis
0: looking to help it into the path of Morris He's found by the deflection It's Aaron Davis. he could win it He probably has won it for Yeovil Oh
1: and it's an opening goal
2: What a start,
1: Madden After just six minutes Gives Yeovil the lead
2: Stansfield, good turn away from
1: Trott Goal